Good evening. Our reading today comes from John's Gospel, chapter 13. You can find that on page 1081 in the Church Bibles. John 13, starting at verse 18. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those who I've chosen. But this is to fill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts one, anyone I send, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charged the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Phil. slide will appear soon yeah who can uh, read that passage without being struck by those final four words and it was night uh, I never can I never can um, and uh, my title this evening is um, uh, trusting in God in evil times I slightly changed it to uh, to comfort uh, in the darkness um, and so I'll be I'll be speaking about 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 that night and about why God gives us and how God gives us comfort in it. Um, before I do, uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you do uh, give us uh, comfort uh, in, uh, and indeed good news uh, in this world, even when it is uh, dark. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak uh, clearly uh, through me uh, this evening and open all of our hearts uh, to listen uh, especially to you perhaps even to more uh, than what's being said here Lord I pray that you would uh, strengthen us uh, in our walk with you um, uh, and give us especially those of us who feel um, uh, that we need us at the moment give us uh, that, that comfort um, that Jesus gave his disciples I pray in Jesus name Amen
So, so what we have in this uh, in this very short passage um, is a is a short section um, uh, which ends with a man uh, leaving a room uh, with his figure framed in a doorway uh, and uh, pitch black. Jerusalem sky behind him and um, the occasion of course is, is the last meal that uh, Jesus had with his uh, disciples um, before his, uh, his trial um, and it included John the uh, author of, uh, uh, that, that we, of, the, of the gospel who was a, obviously an eyewitness he describes himself as the man uh, whom Jesus loved and he was reclining next to Jesus at the meal and watched G Judas leave through that door. Now, it's uh, the Thursday evening before the Passover, and there has been a plot among the religious leaders in Jerusalem to kill Jesus. Um, but for that plot to come into effect, it needs somebody um, to tell the leaders how to find Jesus. And Judas Iscariot uh, is going to be that man. Um, at the beginning of uh, chapter 13, we read that uh, Satan had prompted him. Uh, and in that this passage here, we see uh, Judas leaving uh, to do the deed. Um, Jesus knew it was going to happen. Uh, he knew at the beginning of the meal, um, as, as we saw uh, last week, and um, uh, during the meal, he let Simon and um, Simon Peter and, and John in on the secret. He tells uh, Judas to get on with the job, uh, and Judas leaves. And it was a moment that John could never forget. Um, the last time that he saw him uh, as one of Jesus' disciples, uh, and he had this photographic memory. Uh, it was night. But there was definitely more to that, to those three words, than John's photographic memory. It reminded John that the world itself uh, is a dark place and that he was about to go through uh, a very dark time. I don't know whether he made that connection later or whether he even realized it right then as he was sitting down there uh, looking at Judas going out of, through the door. Whichever, John thought it certainly uh, would have been thinking about the darkness uh, in the world. Uh, here is Jesus, a good man, uh, and in the next few hours he's going to go through uh, a sham trial uh, under both the Jewish and the Roman authorities. Um, nobody could pin any crime on him, uh, but they uh, uh, flogged him uh, and crucified him anyway. Um, and the darkness in human nature that could do that to Jesus um, could and does multiply up. It multiplies up to the scale of a war, and it also could, and does, go indoors uh, to uh, abuse in the home. And in so many other ways, uh, it reminded John that the world is a dark place. He also thought about the dark deed that Judas, um, who was a friend, uh, was about to do. Um, he was so well 
uh, there, wasn't, there was no warning that Judas was going to do this. Uh, he was so well integrated with the disciples that uh, nobody knew who it was. They thought he was going to um, do a, a good thing when he left, they, uh, except for John and Simon Peter. Nobody knew uh, what he was going to do. Uh, they trusted him as their treasurer, uh, but now he was going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And uh, there was no duress, there was no kind of confession under torture, there was no uh, slip uh, uh, or uh, uh, lack of courage here. This was a cold decision that Judas made. And uh, there is a real pain in that kind of betrayal. Uh, it's hard to deal with it um, when it happens to you uh, directly or as a group of friends and uh, John's just wrote it was night um, he thought about the personal sense of loss that he would feel uh, with Jesus gone um, Jesus was the one who had loved him um, who taught him uh, he uh, kind of bore with him as John misunderstood uh, what Jesus was saying. And he also deeply impressed. And John comes across as a very deeply thoughtful uh, man, doesn't he, in his, in his uh, gospel especially and in his other writings. Deeply impressed him with everything that he taught and did. Um, and, uh, you know, John was close to Jesus. He was trusted by Jesus with looking after his mother even as he was dying on the cross. So he was very close. And now he'd be gone. And John was facing that loss. Um, they'd always known that this was possible. Um, they'd uh, debated whether they should go to Jerusalem. Um, but they'd gone anyway in kind of the optimism of the daylight. But, um, but now it was about to happen. And that was night. Um... And I think possibly uh, most uh, distressingly of all for John and for all the other disciples, they really felt that the bottom had been taken out of their world. They'd um, hoped, they had this hope that Jesus would be the Messiah. They um, thought he was going to do something uh, revolutionary uh, in Israel, but now he was just going to be taken away uh, and killed. And everything that John had hoped for, everything that they had hoped for since those first meetings uh, in the time of John the Baptist was suddenly dashed. And so this was a, a, a darkness of a different order. It was a darkness of despair. Uh, it was a darkness of feeling that God's purposes uh, had failed. And maybe a darkness of not even knowing uh, whether to uh, believe or trust uh, in God at all. And so that um, night uh, in the doorframe was a very, very vivid image of John's feelings. But in this darkness, um, there was comfort um, and there was light. Um, and Jesus' main purpose in that final meal was to prepare his disciples for that darkness. Uh, and John's purpose in writing it up in such detail, uh, his write-up is ten times longer than the uh, Last Supper in the other Gospels, um, roughly, was to pass on that comfort, to pass on that light to us. So we will look at that comfort. Now, first of all, um, 
I'm going to look at how uh, what John recalls here, how it is a comfort to committed Christians. Because we have a lot in common with the disciples there, don't we, as committed Christians. We, um, we have uh, expectations of Jesus Christ, and we have expectations of God's purposes. So when things hit us that um, knock those expectations, we are pretty much in the same position as those disciples were then. And so uh, what Jesus uh, said and did uh, to comfort them um, uh, hopefully will comfort us. And maybe we can um, uh, move on to the next slide, Sarah. Thank you. Um, now, there's, there's two things about the comfort that Jesus brought here, and, and both are equally important. We need to know it, and we need to feel it. Um, there really is no point, is there, in uh, feeling it without knowing it. If somebody says to you, it's, it's, it's going to be all right, uh, it, it, or they can say it in a lovely voice and it can sound comforting, but in fact, if there's nothing behind it, um, it's useless, isn't it? So we need to know it as well as feeling it. But we also need to feel it as well as knowing it. Because, you know, the Christ, we, we, um, three score years and ten, or however long it is that God gives us, is a long time. Uh, we need comfort daily in our lives. Um, and it's, it's hard to live all that time just knowing something that we don't in some way feel as well. And there is some, there is, so, so what happens here um, speaks to both of that. So comfort from knowing. Well, the first thing is that God is in control. Look at the beginning of the passage, uh, right there in verse 19. Um, Jesus said, um, uh, this is going to fulfill some scripture. Oh, maybe even verse yeah, 18 and 19. This is going to fulfill some scripture. Uh, the one who turned, uh, shared my bread, has turned against me. And I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. In other words, I am uh, the one God has sent. He's using God's name there. I am who I am. And he's saying, I, I, I know. I know what's going to happen. So when it does happen, you remember that I told you. Um, he is in control. Um, and uh, he's been saying that right back through his ministry. And he says it here um, uh, in, the, in the Last Supper. He says it. In, in our passage and he says it a number of other times as well and so eventually the disciples remembered that uh, and it was a comfort to them the second thing that um, uh, uh, that I'd like to say that, that, that we know now this might sound very backhanded and bizarre but when uh, Judas took the bread it says Satan entered into him it said he prompted him at the beginning, but when he took the bread, when he committed himself to doing the deed, Satan entered into him. Now, you might say, well, what's the comfort in that? Well, uh, at least once before, and maybe more times, I've stood here and talked about science and said, well, the world is more wonderful than we can explain if it's just a material world, because God is behind it. It's also true, I think, that the world is more terrible than it would be if it was just a material world, because there's something not material behind the evil and the darkness in the world. And so to hear have, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him, 
there is a glimpse into why the world is as evil as it is. And um, I, I think there is some comfort in, in knowing that God knows that too. Um, perhaps a little bit backhanded, but it goes with the comfort of knowing um, that there is, there is more to this world than we see. Um, then uh, there is um, another thing um, that despite this uh, evil, despite this darkness, God's purposes are not uh, in any way thwarted or undermined. Um, in fact, in this case, it's the very darkness, the very betrayal that, uh, that leads to God's purposes being fulfilled. Um, Judas' betrayal led to Jesus' death on the cross. And by that death, our sins are forgiven. And then that in turn enabled God to raise Jesus again from the dead. And by doing so, uh, vindicated him and gave us that hope uh, of eternal life and being raised ourselves. And so, uh, and then it led, uh, and this is um, uh, something that Jesus brings out a bit later in the, his speech at the Last Supper, to the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit couldn't come unless he had gone. And uh, when he did come, he would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so the gospel would spread. And so this act, this uh, uh, act of evil, this dark act, actually far from undermining God's purposes, um, brought them uh, to fulfillment. Um, and uh, this was absolutely a huge comfort to the disciples and should be a, a huge comfort, I hope, to us. Now, we cannot um, always uh, see how a particular act uh, of darkness or a period of darkness will lead directly to God's purposes. Um, there are definitely other cases in the Bible where we can say, yeah, that, that was part of God's purpose. Um, but we can't always see that. Can we understand the war in Ukraine in terms of God's purposes? I, I wouldn't make that claim. Um, can we understand it when um, a child or a friend is taken away from us suddenly? Um, I don't think we usually can. Um, uh, we may not understand uh, how that fits into God's purposes but I think what we can understand is that it doesn't undermine God's purposes uh, and that's really very clear uh, here and so um, it's comforting to know these things but we need more than to know them um, we need to be able to feel them well how uh, can we feel comfort? Well, it's quite interesting. You read on a verse uh, in um, uh, just after uh, Phil's stop there. Yeah. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And you read on, and the dialogue is at just a different level of closeness and intimacy and you can almost feel the relief as it changes from having Judas in the room and to a certain extent Jesus playing to a gallery as well as his friends and now it's just his friends and so 
I think the point here is that we feel comfort when we have fellowship with Christians who are on the same wavelength as us. Um, you know, we, we absolutely should receive and welcome people who are not on the same wavelength as us. That's one of the things we are very much here to do as a church. And we should serve and help people who need serving and helping. But just sometimes you need to be together. You need to be on the same level. You need to be on the same level with people who are on your wavelength. And that was the situation here. And you get things happening in this context that you can't have happening when, um, you, know, when you haven't got that intimacy of fellowship. And so um, that's something that we should try to do. Maybe it's a, a meal, maybe a walk, maybe a standing even uh, uh, in, the, in the lobby after the service here. Uh, maybe some other context that we can just enjoy close fellowship with people like us. People like us doesn't mean perfect people. Uh, if, if you, um, uh, <laughs> the disciples certainly weren't perfect. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean your brothers and sisters in Christ have to be perfect. But you are on the same journey. And fellowship like that will help you to maybe discuss, um, maybe uh, uh, to, to, you know, just, just understand, know that somebody else is, is uh, uh, one, one other of God's people or more that others of God's people are with you. It may not always help you understand in a deep way, but it is a great comfort. So seek those opportunities, and if you have them uh, on a plate, um, uh, uh, you know, in terms of your nearest and dearest at home, uh, use those opportunities. Um, fellowship with uh, brothers and sisters. Fellowship with God. So um, human fellowship isn't enough, and after... Uh, and, and during this time in the Last Supper, Jesus pointed his disciples to fellowship with God. He, uh, as I mentioned to you a minute ago, talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be with them when he had gone. Uh, he would be um, a comfort to them. It's one of his names. And, um, and also a, a support uh, in times of need. Um, and he would help them uh, even to discover the truth, so it even helped them with the knowing, uh, knowing its side, um, and so, um, and then after um, they had uh, got up and walked through the garden and passed the vine and and so on, you know, Jesus prayed, and that's another means of fellowship with God. Um, we should we should we should pray, put our concerns to God. Um, uh, it's you don't pick up the depth of that so much in John's gospel uh, as in the other three where you know, Jesus paid in, prayed in um, almost in agony uh, but he put his concerns to God and um, at the end came back stronger uh, or ready, ready for everything that he had to do um, and we should not just pray but we should listen um, listen to the, listen to the Holy Spirit, and how do you do that best? Well, probably reading the Bible is a is a is a is a good way to do that. Um, it's God's word; uh, it's what He wants us to listen to. Uh, read uh, generally. You never know what God might want to say 
uh, read um, deliberately um, things that you know might be a particular comfort at particular times. Maybe read Psalm 23, um, the Lord's David's shepherd, and he, and he knew that he would take him through the darkest valleys. Uh, I find uh, at times like the present, um, apocalyptic uh, literature in the Bible very comforting. Maybe it takes, uh, I think, um, some, um, it might take a little bit of getting into at first, um, but it shows that God is powerful and it shows that he will judge the wicked. Uh, things that go on in the world and, and the people behind them uh, and it shows that he will look after his own um, and uh, I, for example I particularly like Habakkuk chapter 3 a short uh, uh, poem that expresses all of those things um, and there are many other places obviously Revelation uh, uh, most, most kind of supremely of all but um, yeah, read, read that comfort, read that apocalyptic, read the letters of the New Testament and see where uh, our, our treasures are, are, the things that God has given us uh, in Christ. Um, uh, and there is comfort in that fellowship with God. There's also comfort, and perhaps uh, on reflection, this is a, a little bit of knowing and a little bit of feeling, uh, in knowing that uh, Jesus went through uh, much of the uh, many of the experiences that we find dark um, uh, and it, this this is something that he said many times in in you, in, in the uh, text that we have before us um, uh, he uh, experienced betrayal as we're seeing here um, he experienced the fact that people uh, hated him without reason um, he experienced the death of a dear friend. Um, you know, um, you remember Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb. He experienced the process of anticipating his own death uh, and of dying painfully. And so if we are called to go through these things, um, let's put them to God in prayer. And let's know that he really does feel for us. Um, and I hope that we will uh, feel that too. So maybe we can go to the next slide. So I said that this is uh, comfort for Christians. For those of us who are committed already to uh, Jesus and committed to God's purposes. And we wonder what's gone wrong if we feel that Jesus is doing something we don't understand or if God's purposes aren't working out as we understand them. But I do recognize, maybe not everybody here, maybe many friends of those of us who are here, that's not what our starting point is. Our starting point is, yes, um, uh, I, uh, you know, we, we do feel the darkness in the world, um, and yes, I would like some kind of comfort for it, but I need, to start, I need to get that comfort starting in a different place um, because I'm not already committed to Jesus and, and I don't know much about God's purposes. Well, there's a lot of people, aren't there, who feel that, uh, that darkness in the world. I think most of all of us do, really, at some time. 
And so what answers does the Bible have? Well, the, absolutely the supreme answer is the resurrection. That's really the supreme answer in the text before us. Um, and um, uh, Jesus could have said nothing that he said in this passage if he wasn't confident that he was going through a journey, through death, back to life. And so it completely underpins everything he says in this passage. And it also underpins the message that we have to a world that might not yet know Jesus, might not yet be committed to him. Well, but before I mention that, I'm going to say that actually um, God is not just uh, our saviour, which he is, but he's also our creator. And that means that there is comfort from some of the great things that God has done in creation. It might not seem very religious at first um, to note this. It's, uh, um, although we have praised God for his creation this evening. Um, so it seems like on a bit of a different wavelength, and it's not where John is coming from here, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Two things especially. Um, God has created an amazing world. Um, and in this world, we have work, um, we have food, we have love, we have friends, uh, we have amazing people who've got all kinds of wisdom and talents. Um, and there are all kinds of fun as well. And sometimes, um, well, the, the God has made us to enjoy that world. And sometimes, even when the world is dark, it is not a bad thing to get on with some of the good things in the world, um, to occupy yourself with, some, with, with work um, and with the normal things that you do in life of eating uh, and, and chatting and so on. Um, it might sound like escapism, but it is actually there for us to do. It's there to, um, uh, it's part of God's purpose for us. Um, I haven't made it to either of the two morning um, sessions on Ecclesiastes yet, but I'm looking forward to getting back into that. And that's very much the, the, the part of the wisdom and the message of Ecclesiastes is God has given us these things to do. Even when, it's, even when life is tough, it can be helpful to just do those things. Um, he's also given us bodies. And those bodies need food and rest. Um, and sometimes we can't take on the things in the previous slide. We can't take on new information. We can't even really uh, pray or enjoy uh, fellowship um, at a peer-to-peer -peer level because we're just in no state to do it. Um, and what we need uh, sometimes is we need food and we need rest. And... Um, You'll remember when Elijah, after a huge, huge victory, uh, seeing God's power, he, um, uh, somebody threatened his life, and after seeing off hundreds of uh, enemies, he got scared by one, ran away, had no food for a day, got depressed, lay down and asked to die. And what did God do? He didn't tell him anything. He gave him food. and then sent him off somewhere to rest. And um, sometimes that's what we need to do because we are created. God created us the way we, you know, as with bodies. And um, sometimes the problem isn't, uh, you can't tackle it. 
at a deep level till you've tackled it at that level of just getting the body sorted. Maybe it needs food, maybe it needs rest, maybe sometimes even it needs um, uh, medicine or something. But, you know, we've got bodies and we need to sort them out. So, uh, again, it doesn't sound religious, but God has given us these things. It's part of the way that we're made. Um, well, um, so for, to my final point then, um, the resurrection changes everything. And this is good news for everybody. Um, I th by the way, I think it is good news for everybody that the Bible deals with the whole of life. It is mainly about our relationship with God, but it does look at the whole of life. Um, and, you know, in, in a, uh, so it's a, it, 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 it is for everyone. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Um, I'm assuming um, that we, uh, you know, time is now short, so I'm assuming that we know what the resurrection is. I've said that, and I'm assuming that you've heard that the uh, resurrection is a historical fact with good evidence. Um, if uh, you'd like to know more about that this evening, uh, I'm certainly uh, very happy um, to chat with anybody um, uh, about that. But... Um, so it, it, if that happens, you know, resurrections are not normal. Um, and so if the resurrection happened and it's, it's, it's got good evidence, then it really does change everything. And the first thing it means is that Jesus Christ really is special. So what he said matters more than what anybody else said. And what he did matters more than what anybody else did. And so when I was saying that... Um, you know, that, that Jesus experienced some of those things first, um, that really is real comfort. He is special. He does know. Um, and, and eventually, of course, he overcame those things. Um, it means also that God can raise us from the dead as he raised Christ. And that is our comfort in the face of our own death. And it also is our comfort in the face of loss. Um, it, um, uh, he, he promised God has promised heaven as a place for us uh, that prepared for us we'll see more of that in a couple of weeks time here um, with no more pain or crying or sorrow um, and as obviously that, that there is comfort um, there in the face of darkness in this world whether that comes from us being on the thin end of uh, social injustice or of war uh, or of crime or such things um, there's also uh, additional comfort because because the things that we have in heaven can never be taken away things on earth can be taken away can be taken away prematurely but nothing um, that belongs to us being raised to life nothing can be taken away and um also, uh, to, to be uh, factual, and you see this in, um, elsewhere in, in John's Gospel, Jesus said we, we will be raised um, uh, to uh, not merely to, not, not directly to life, but to judgment. And there is comfort in this for those of us who feel that the world is a dark place because God will deal with that darkness. There will be justice. Um, and people, even the, if they kind of got away with crimes in this world, whether they're um, 
petty crimes or whether they're crimes on an immense scale, they will be judged and they will be punished. Um, and so that also is a comfort to anybody on the, <clears throat> on the thin end uh, of the darkness in this world. And finally, there is good news um, uh, through, the res well, through the gospel in that we can be safe because there is darkness in our own hearts that needs to be dealt with. And Jesus has dealt with that darkness by his death on the cross. Um, uh, and so we, we can be uh, clean um, enough for heaven. We can be holy for heaven uh, in a way that we could not be just in our own strength. And that's available to everybody. So it is good news for everybody. Uh, and again, if you want to talk any more um, about that after the service, very happy to do so. Um, so we started in the upper room with Judas about to betray Jesus. Uh, it was night, uh, it was the darkest hour, and it was a time that John, even many decades later, um, uh, may have shuddered to remember. But through uh, Jesus' crucifixion the day after, uh, and through the resurrection two days after that, God did bring that comfort to John and the disciples uh, uh, after that darkness. And that comfort um, still applies to us as Christians today, um, and the light uh, that Jesus brought into the world um, illuminates the darkness for everybody. Um, Thanks be to God for that. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm.